Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This episode of Believe in Saints is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first game week edition of Believe in Saints and I am David Grubb alongside Terrence Copper. And we're going to talk about the Hootets and the Falcons, man. This is, this is what we've been waiting for. We've had all offseason. The speculation is over. It's time to play some football. It is, man. It's, it's game week, first week of the season. Like I said, it's time to go. Preseason over. It's funny, you know, the season ended last year in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. Saints went 30-20. to 20. Uh, guaranteed another winning season. Uh, some things didn't mm-hmm. go their way, of course, and they missed out on the playoffs. But here you are to start the new era of Saints football under Dennis Allen, and you're doing it where last season ended in Atlanta. Um, it's just that symmetry. That's it's just kind of kind of weird that that old era ending in one place and the new era beginning in the same. True, I didn't think about it like that. You make a great point, man. Like I think this game, man, is going to be probably a very intense game like it always is because of the robbery of it. You know, I'm just ready to see it. It's crazy. The history of this, you know, when you talk about rivalries, the thing you look for is that, are they close? It's a rivalry when those teams are close. The Mm all-time series, Atlanta leads the series 53 to 52. So the Saints have the opportunity this weekend to tie the all-time series at 53 games each. Saints have won 22 out of the last 32 so certainly okay. New Orleans has been dominant. Right. That's some motivation, too, right there. I mean, when you know, hey, we could pull even all the time. I, of course, players want to win every game. But when you know mm-hmm. against your rival, you can even that ledger historically, I'm sure that's a little bit of extra motivation. Uh, it definitely is. You know, but, but one thing about it is as a player, we know it's a rivalry, but we don't look at it like that. I mean, we understand it's going to be intense. We just we have to make sure that we keep our composure. Because if you if you buy too much into the robbery part of it, the emotions start getting too high. And when emotions start getting too high, then you start losing concentration and you start making mistakes that you usually wouldn't make because you're you're more calm and relaxed and more even kill. So as a player, man, we definitely know it's a robbery game. We definitely know it's a game we got to win uh, just because it's the next game and it's a division opponent. So but as players, they're going to say even kill is more the fans that's really going to enjoy the rivalry part of it. Yeah, that's that's something I wanted to get into because you know fans take this seriously. Nobody travels more than New Orleans fans to Atlanta. You know, mm-hmm. bus trips get organized, plane trips get organized, you get <laughs> groups in mass, and they take over Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it the, New Orleans is notorious for filling up whatever stadium Atlanta is right. playing in and bringing those <laughs> folks during the week, you know, Cam Jordan, he'll talk about the Falcons. He misses Matt Ryan, of course, his favorite sack target. But 
does that rivalry stuff, like you said, for the players, does that end like on Thursday, you know, or and you just put all that aside, that emotion, like say you focus on the game plan, you talk about the opponent and it's just a team that you're playing against. It's not history. It's none of those things. No, it's none of that. It's none of that. I'm quite sure though, that the coaches has probably made a little point to her early in the week, probably the first day once you get back in the building, probably on a Wednesday or something like that. But after that, that stuff is put to bed. Now we just got to go out and play back, play football. It's not about, oh, this is our rivalry. It's not about that. It's about the next opponent. Like I was telling you earlier, um, like I said, it's the next opponent. And it's this game is important, not because it's the Falcons, but it's because it's our next game. And then next week, when we play next week, that's the most important game. So every game we play, that's the most important game. It doesn't matter if it's a rivalry. It doesn't matter if we play this team in like five years, you know, that game is the most important game because it's the next game. We know historically that winning week one is very important in the NFL. Um, teams that win week one have a much better odd, odds of making the postseason than teams that lose that first week. How, you know, you've been building up all offseason. You've had the po- the preseason to get ready. What's different about those week one preparations compared to every other week of the season? You know, the difference is, is that, you're trying to, you're just coming out of camp. You know, first of all, you're coming out of camp. You're trying to get your legs back up under you. You're trying to get your body back together, especially if you had a tough camp. Uh, if, if they don't have the most, the, the amount of rest time they need and that, the amount of recovery time they need, you know, they can go into that game still sluggish from the preseason because especially if you had a, a tough training camp. So that is, the, that is one of the biggest things. Make sure our body is right. Uh, you know, the rest of it, you know, is, is football. It's football, you know? Like they say, week one is the only week where you're healthy. After that, That's everybody's it. hurt. <laughs> That's it. And, and look, sometimes look, sometimes you go into week run, week one unhealthy. True. You know? So, you know, it's, it's going to be a good game, you know, but as players, they're not taking it as a rivalry at all. They're, they're taking it as this is our first game. We got to get this win. But like I said earlier, this is a division opponent. So that in itself makes this game more important as well, not just because of the rivalry, because you're trying to be 1-0 and in the division because you easily can fall behind the division 0-3 if we go out there playing around these first three games. You know, so that's why it's important. Let's talk about the plot lines, you know, the things that are the keys to the game this week. And we got to start with the quarterback matchup. That's the thing that we're looking at here because you have Jameis Winston coming off of injury um, and mm-hmm. getting back into this. And we, and we spent some time earlier this week talking about the, the advantages and the adjustments for Jameis. And he's going up against Marcus Mariota, who hasn't made a start in the NFL since 2019. So he's also coming back from some rust and a new offense as well. So you got two quarterbacks with relatively um, new personnel around them uh, for both of them, uh, adjusted schemes and coming off of some a break. How tough is that for those quarterbacks in establishing their rhythm? And what can the coaching staffs do? for the Saints defense to break Marcus Mariota's rhythm, make sure he doesn't get into one. And for the offensive side, get Jameis into a good one early. So for the, for the quarterbacks, the best thing that can happen for the quarterback is get the run game going. Uh, that way they can see yardage. They can see us gaining yards without them having to make a bunch of mistakes or having to make a bunch of decisions. And then next on top of that, the first throws when they come out, you know, just some little dink and dunks, just to see them get the ball completed. You know, it's, it does wonders when a quarterback can see the ball get completed. Uh, that just continues to build his confidence. The more balls he complete, the more his confidence start to build. But on on a defensive end, 
the way we can kind of stop Mariota, the best thing that we can do is stop the run. Because like you say, he hasn't been out there in a while. He hasn't thrown the ball in a while. Uh, and me personally, truthfully, I mean, I really, I mean, I, I respect Mariota, but I never look at him as a, this, this elite passer. I just never looked at him that way. You know, so if we can get him throwing the ball often, I think that's a win for New Orleans, but we have to stop the run because that's going to be his best friend, their running attack, trying to keep him or limit him how uh, the things that he can do. But one thing that we got to watch out for is the fact he can scramble. He can extend plays, not just extend plays to throw the ball down the field, but extend plays to uh, actually run it as well. So it's different ways he can extend those plays, and that is probably going to be one of the most dangerous things that we have to deal with besides just make sure we stop the run and put him in passing situations. I think, you know, one of the things that's interesting is you look at, at his career and he's in Tennessee. Yeah. He, I mean, his, he doesn't turn the ball over a lot through interceptions, but he's also a very conservative passer. He doesn't take a lot of risks. You, I don't expect, and you tell me if I'm wrong here, I don't expect them to take a lot of shots downfield. I expect him to look for Kyle Pitts early and often and try to work the middle of the field and have extended drives that way. And occasionally, if you could, if they can do that, then you try to get Cordell Patterson going downfield and make it a big play, like we saw him able to do against the Saints a couple of times last season. I think you're completely right. Uh, I wouldn't if I'm if I'm the Falcons' offense coordinator. I'm not going to put Mariota in a position to where he has to be trying to complete these deep balls. Uh, and going out and stretching the field. It's going to be a lot of dink and dunks just to try to get the chain move, get him in the rhythm. But because the longer that ball stays in the air, the less likely it's going to get caught. And especially with our defensive backs that we have back there, more than likely it's not going to get caught with Mariota trying to throw deep balls. Not saying he can't throw them, but they got to pick and choose their battle when they do want to try to take it over the top on us. Uh, but that's not going to be something that, that they're going to do often. I don't feel like it is. But I think they will dink and dunk the entire time down there and try to get the run game going. The offensive lines from both sides, again, it, it, every game is one in the trenches. Saints have a lot of changes in the offensive line as far as some new players rotating in, not having Trevor Penning, who, you know, your first-round pick. Um, and we, But the Falcons, too, a team that last year was dead last or near the bottom in every offensive category, scored under 20 points per game, and we know the Saints have traditionally feasted on their offensive line. Uh, it, it, even with a new offense – I think that's also an advantage for the Saints because there's, a, a, you know, this defense has been together. This is a group that is a top mm -hmm. five group returning, even with those changes in the back end up front with Cam Jordan, Shy Tuttle, Marcus Davenport, those guys, they know their responsibilities and they know how to create pressure. Oh, definitely. Uh, I think that is going to be one of the biggest advantages, like you said, that we have is, is in those trenches, especially defensively. Uh, those guys have that chemistry already. The defense have that chemistry. They already they understand how well they can play when they play together. And then you add on those extra, those extra elite, those extra elite players that we have. You know, it's just going to add to our defense. And you know, and I think in the trenches we're going to dominate them in the trenches, regardless, uh, regardless of what the Falcons have. I just think we are just too, we we have too much. Um, what can I say? We have too much chemistry as a defensive unit. And not only do we have too much chemistry to the unit, but we was top five in defense last year. You know, so when you're coming back off a season like that and you just add on guys to it, your confidence is through the roof. Like, you, you're ready to take on anything. 
And you just have to feel that the Falcons take somewhat of a step back because no matter what people think of Matt Ryan, that is a former MVP. That's a guy who had been with that team for you know his entire career and had done big things for Atlanta, take him to the Super Bowl. Um, and you now have a new starter back there with new players at skill positions, a new head coach, new system, all these things that, that you're getting adjusted to. And you only have these limited training camps now. You don't have the training camps that you had when you were playing. That's not a lot of reps to get ready no. for, for the regular season. And then to have to face a Saints defense that is elite in that first week. I think that's a really difficult, dang near impossible challenge for a guy like who hasn't made a start in three years. That's true. And, and with that being said, this is regardless of how people feel like you don't want to hear this word, uh, a rebuilding year. Teams don't like to say this. Like rebuild. This is a rebuilding year for the Falcons. Like I said, you can't lose a guy like Ryan and then expect to come right back out next year, replacing him with Mariota, and y'all just still clicking. You know, this is going to be a rebuilding year for them. Uh, so we should go out there and dominate. But the only way you're going to dominate a team, you got to go out there and do it. If they're not going to lay down for you, because they still have some talented guys out there. Uh, you think about Patterson. Patterson, shucks. I want to say the last time we played, when they came to New Orleans, he mm -hmm. went off. He went off. You know, so we can make sure we got to make sure we can contain him because he does everything. He's a running back. He's a returner. He's a receiver. Wherever they need him to be at, that's where they're going to put him. And I wouldn't be surprised if they try to get the ball in his hands early. Yeah, Cam Jordan said that's the biggest thing that he's worried about is just that they don't have any tape. They don't know what they're looking at. You know, there's mm -hmm. plenty of tape on at least the Saints' ideas. Now, they're going, like, they're going to be different. It's not the same offense that they ran last year, but you have some general idea of the concepts that, uh, that, that, that they want to run. But with the Falcons, you have no clue. No clue. I think it would be a lot of read option, though. I think it'll be a lot of read option, uh, different things like that uh, in the shotgun a lot. Uh, so Mariota can kind of see the field. The pistol. Yep. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, those are things that I feel like that are going to come, even though you don't have a lot of film out there. But I think those are the things that's going to come. Yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of draws. I think we could see a lot mm -hmm. of draw plays for Atlanta early. Like you said, those read option opportunities where he keeps it, holds it, and, and tries to get rid of it very quickly. We might see mm -hmm. some a lot of bubble screens to Patterson maybe where you see him get the ball really quickly and try to you know make people miss in the open yep. field. Um, and like I said, those, those um, crossing over the middle with Kyle Pitts and trying to test the Saints' other linebacker rather than Demario Davis, whether it's Pete Werner mm -hmm. or whoever's on the field at that moment, you want to get Pitts in one-on-one -on -one situations. Definitely. Because uh, like I said, they are talented. They are talented. I'm quite sure they're going to pick out our weakest link, whatever that weakest link is, and they're going to try to exploit it uh, with their best players. Uh, and, and honestly, that's, that's the best thing they can do. Um, I just still don't, I still don't think they have enough firepower I don't think they – if we match up our defense and match their defense up and our offense and their offense, I think on paper we still are the better team. And if we just go out there and play well and don't turn it over, don't do the things that allows you to lose games, like getting a bunch of penalties uh, and turning the ball over. If we can go out there and manage those things, I think we win this game. Yeah, special teams is going to be such a critical factor. Mm -hmm. Making your kicks, um, the return game, like you said, not allowing big plays – to, for your opponent in the return game um, yep. and, and, and maybe generating someone your own for the Saints uh, in those opportunities. But we know in this league, if you lose the turnover battle, you're probably going to lose the game. And the Saints probably cannot afford to give up the rock. 
Yep, that's the truth. And that goes for that goes for any team. It ain't even about the Saints. Mm-hmm. That's just around the league, period. Because it's so hard. It's so hard to win. And it really comes down to inches. It turn comes down to turnovers. It comes down to penalties. Uh, one thing you can t- keep an eye on, one thing we was always taught, uh, for every 50 yards of penalties, that's three points to the opponent. So kind of keep your eye on those things as well. And we know, too, in the early parts of the season, whatever the points of emphasis that the league has told the officials, hey, we're watching out for this this season, it always starts with a lot of flags in the first couple weeks because they want to establish this is what we're watching. It tends to get Mm -hmm. looser as the season goes along, but in those first two, three, four weeks, the refs are going to be quick with those flags to say, don't do that. We're watching that thing in particular. So, you know, that's a big key for the Saints being disciplined. Oh, it's, it's a huge key, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. One thing that we do in the NFL, we don't just scout our team. We scout the refs. That's me refing that game. So in the meetings, you know, we put the refs' names up. This is the ref and crew that's going to be there. They called this amount of penalties uh, last game, or they averaged this amount of holding penalties, this amount of, uh, like, different penalties. So every penalty they call, we got everything written down, and we understand what they call the most. We kind of understand which way, okay, we – we can't maybe we can't hold as much as we used to because they call a lot of it. Make sure we move our feet more, you know. So it's just we 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 game plan everybody when it comes to these games. Let's talk about um, a surprising decision when the depth chart came out. Chris Olave was not listed in the top three of the receiving group. That was a bit of a shocker to me, and I think it was a shocker for a lot of Saints fans because he had a good camp from all reports, mm-hmm. and this is your, your top pick you know, at, at receiver, guy that you've invested in here to be that number two guy opposite Michael Thomas um, with Jarvis mm-hmm. Landry playing in that slot position. Were you a little surprised to, you know, that, that Chris didn't make that, that, that top three? No, I'm not surprised because you, you just really don't understand or, you, or people really just don't know the type of packages that we come in with. Uh, New Orleans run a ton of packages, uh, 11 personnel, personnel, 20 personnel, uh, 22 personnel, regular personnel. So he's going to come in maybe in a certain package. Uh, so you, in the 11 personnel, he may come in as the third receiver for the 11 personnel. Uh, 20 personnel, he may not be. Landry might be in for the 20 personnel. So uh, you just don't you just don't know with all the packages that we have. He, I feel like he's still going to play if he's active. If he's active, he will play. But you don't know he may have a nagging injury or something. You just don't know what it is. So, But I feel like if he's active, he's definitely going to play. He's not going to be on that sideline just sitting there. But it may be different packages that he come – personnel packages he come in with. When we look at Michael Thomas, and he's got to be, you know, bursting at the seams to get on the field again. Um, do you think that, you know, again, with the game plan early, talking about getting people in the rhythm – do they call plays specifically to target Mike early just to get him his field, just to get him in that opportunity to say, touch the ball, Mike? Yes, yes, completely. Get him, get him the ball, get the hands in his ball, in his hands early. Uh, whether it's little out routes, like little stick routes, five-yard out routes, just to get him getting the ball in his hands, seeing him catching the ball and getting his rhythm back. Uh, I, would, I would not be surprised if we go to him our first three passes. And you know that they're scripted. You know that the Saints have an idea of what they want to establish just to, to, to set things up for later. That was one of the, the real things that Sean Payton did a lot was run plays early in games to set up stuff, not only for later in the game, but later in the season. 
And mm-hmm. I, I'm interested to see how that transition goes offensively and how the Saints build on that. Because I think, that, you know, that was one of the keys that made the Saints offense so unique was that they would throw some stuff at you that even if the play was unsuccessful, it was just to give you a look that maybe you weren't prepared for that you might see at one other situation later down on the road in the game. That's true. And, and you know what the crazy thing about it is a lot of times we run plays so the defense, so maybe not this week, we may not be successful this week, but it gives the next opponent extra stuff they got to prepare for, you know, so the more stuff they seeing, that's the more stuff they're preparing for. Even when it comes to special teams, like we, we may shucks, fake a punt in preseason, not saying we did this time. We may fake a punt in preseason just so not saying we're going to fake a punt all the time, but it's just so that our next opponent have to prepare for it because mm-hmm. when they're preparing for, especially in special teams, you don't have a lot of time in practice on special teams. So if you've seen a fake punt, that's extra time that you got to prepare and you're not really working on your basic stuff because you got to prepare for these fake punts and make sure everybody in place for that. So the more stuff people see, the more stuff they got to prepare for. And, you know, that just takes time. And like you talked about the unusual circumstance of having to play three division opponents out of the gate. Those are teams you play twice. So you can't show everything to them in weeks one, two and three. Because mm-hmm. you could be determining a playoff spot, your positioning, and a division championship when you meet up with right. them at the end of the season. How much – when you, you know, are prepared for that first time against a division opponent, opponent, was there a different type of preparation in those games? It wasn't. It wasn't. I'm telling you, one thing that we do, we really – we don't put extra pressure on us that we don't need to. We understand the importance of it. Like I said, we understand the importance. It's a division game. Uh, but it's like I said, it's our next game. And we don't put a lot of pressure on ourselves to, oh, because we play in Carolina or because we play in Atlanta. You know, we can prepare the same way we prepare every week. It don't matter who we play. We could play in the Cleveland Browns. No disrespect to them, but we could be playing them. And we're going to prepare the exact same way, the exact same way. So preparation is always going to be preparation. There's nothing extra that we're doing. There's nothing uh, less that we're doing for a certain opponent because we can prepare. We are professionals. So we're going to prepare the way we're supposed to each week. I think the the one X factor, I think, for the defense, the new guys at the safety position in Marcus May and uh, Teron Matthew, it's about communication. When you your back end has to communicate well, you know, we know the rest of these guys have been together, but you have new safeties now. The, I think that's the one thing that could, you know, if, if it goes wrong, and I'm not saying it mm-hmm. will, but uh, if, if that's the one area of concern that I would have defensively as an outsider, saying it, how, how high is that level of communication on your back end of the defense in week one? Oh, yeah, that's, that's very important. And with, uh, with the Honey Badger being more effective closer to the line of scrimmage, May is going to be back there by itself a lot sometimes. You know, So he really had to make sure he's understanding what's going on back there, uh, making certain calls if it's not uh, – the honey badger, if he's not making them, may really have to make sure you understand what he's doing. Because like I said, for, for me watching his career, when I say his career, I'm talking about uh, the honey badger. His, all, like I said, all his plays, but a lot of his plays were the big hits, were the interceptions, were the disruptions. He's closer to the line of scrimmage. He's not so much in the middle of the field. He's, he's down in the box a little bit. Okay, that's where he's at his best when he's down in that box. Dennis Allen's been a head coach before, but it is a transition again to get back into doing that in the regular season. And he's been the head of this defense as well. 
sharing that uh, that that responsibility, and that's something Sean Payton had to do at times. We know he was the primary play caller, but you have to share that responsibility. That's something too to, to look at, and and how he keeps his eye on the offense and the defense and manages them both in week one. You know, but that's the thing. He just has to manage it because he, he have he have guys in place that can do what he needs to get done. Uh, and that's one thing. That's the beauty of coaching. Coaches, head coaches are only as good as your assistant coaches. You know, so if you don't have a coaching staff that you have good assistants where you can trust and you don't ha- and you have to keep micromanaging them on every single thing, more than likely it's not going to be successful for you. But if you have some able coaches in there, some some coordinators and that you trust them, uh, of course, you're going to oversee everything. And but you don't have to micromanage and you trust they know what they're doing. You know, that's what makes good coaches great. They're assistant coaches. I think, you know, this is this this games are always close. This game is always close. And I don't think I think I think most of them have been settled by, a, you know, one touchdown in that area between six to eight points over the last several games. Um, I expect it to be close again, especially because it is week one. But I am very confident that the Saints walk into Georgia and walk out with the victory. I agree. The only reason I think it's going to be close is because we on the road. But if we was home, I don't think it'd be close. Uh, and the reason why I don't think it'd be close, because I don't. The Falcons really don't know who they are yet. Mm-hmm. They have no idea who they are without Matt Ryan. Who, who are the Falcons? Like, what are they good at? What can they hang their hat on and say, you know, this is where this is what we do. Well, we're going to do this. You know, I feel like the Saints have a more understanding of what they're what they do well because they kind of run in the same offense mm-hmm. that they used to run. They run the same offense they used to run. Defensively, they've always been together. So I feel like if the only reason I'm giving it a close game is because we got to go down to Atlanta. But if they was coming to New Orleans, I don't think it'd be close. No, and I, you know, and I think that you you like you said because these are three division games. You want to get out there healthy. You know what I mean? You, mm-hmm. you don't want to have anybody get anybody. You can't control injuries, but you certainly can manage situations where you put players in position, you know, to get potentially take more licks than they should. So I think they try to manage mm-hmm. Alvin Kamara's carries and not get him, you know, worn down in this game. Make sure you get mm-hmm. other guys touches. You want Mike Thomas to get cut touches, but he doesn't need 15 catches in week one. It's a long right. season. You know, the same, you, you, like you said, with the depth that you have, you can work in so many guys in this in this game. That I think that also keeps it a little bit closer, too, is because the Saints don't have to put the pedal all the way down to the metal, I think, to win this game. Yeah, but like I said, they don't have to put it down to the metal, but trust me, they got to play. Oh, they got to play. You don't, yeah. <laughs> you don't take it lightly, but I'm saying, you know, you're not going to put, you don't have to go all the way to the bottom of the bag of tricks. You shouldn't have to, you shouldn't right. have to. And I think by the fourth quarter, some guys should be able to be on the sidelines, uh, you know, and getting some of these younger players or those second uh, tier players, some opportunities, some snaps and some reps that you're going to need because with that extra week and, uh, and only one buy and these, you know, all those things, yeah. you're going to need those guys when you get to week 11, 12, 13. You're going to need them, man. And the biggest thing that can help us, and it was kind of like we was talking about with Atlanta, if we stop their run game, if we can get our run game going, it just makes the game so much easier. It makes the play calling so much easier. It relaxes your quarterback. You know, your offensive line, it's not sitting back on their heels the entire time, pass protecting. You know, you can keep their defensive coordinator off the 
off their on his toes because he don't know what you're going to call. We got to establish the run game. And that run game will open up the play action pass for it and do exactly what Winston want to do, throw that ball down the field uh, with the play action pass. So we got to be able to run the ball and, and establish a run game first. So I wouldn't be surprised if Pete come out, uh, shucks, probably the first three or four plays, run plays. I, I, yeah, I think shorten the game. Get in, get out. Let's let's make it a short sixty minutes. You ain't trying to play three mm-hmm. hours and thirty minutes of this game. You want right. to be it starts at twelve. We won't be done by two thirty, <laughs> man. Let's get out of here. <laughs> you know, what I'm let's get out of here. Go enjoy the city and get out. You know, have your party right. in their town and get back on their plane and come home. <laughs> well, it's funny you say that because when we played, we never liked playing the late game. That like that that three o'clock game, we never like playing the late game. We always want to go. Let's get our game out of the way. Let's go and get get all get our stuff done with, and then we can just relax and just chill for the rest of the day. So Watch nobody the- really likes. Yeah, nobody really likes playing that four o'clock game on the East Coast. Now we we love playing the night games because it's a night game that's on primetime TV. But them four o'clock games, nah. Let's go and get it out the way early. Let's go and get them games over with. Get that rest back in, man. Start, you yeah. know, cause it's, a, it's a little more time, and people just don't understand. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, every bit yeah. of a, a opportunity you get to recuperate, to get into the tub a little bit earlier, to start mm-hmm. resting that body again, and getting ready for that next game, man. Take you want it. You want every you want minute it. of. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for real. If you had to pick a score. What what would you say that this game is? I'm gonna go 24-21, New Orleans, and I and I I'm giving them 21 because I feel like they score a couple. Of, they, I think they score maybe 10 points in the fourth quarter, probably the Falcons. So I'm gonna give it 24-21, New Orleans, and like I say, I'm giving it close because they are they are in in Atlanta, and it's hard to win games on the road. It don't matter how good you are or how bad the other team is. It's hard to win games in the NFL, and it's hard to win on the road, period, especially against your division rival. So I'm, I'm going to give it 24-21 New Orleans. I'm going to say 27-20 Saints. I'm going to say okay. 27-20. I think that uh, I think there'll be a couple of big plays. I think they give Jameis the opportunity to, to show the arm and see what mm-hmm. he can do downfield with those guys. And uh, I think they pull it off 27-20 and come back home, uh, you know, want to know. Want to know, and that's the perfect way to start. Want to know, uh, especially in the division. So I'm, I'm excited about it, man. Brother, we're gonna be able to talk about this, you know, when we get back together next week. But NFL football is here for real, and uh, for the next seven to eighteen weeks, man, we're gonna be with y'all two times a week, bringing it to you, and um, y'all, y'all be here because we're gonna have guests, we're gonna have insights. And um, on, only the way we do it here on Believe in Saints. So, TC, man, you got any uh, final words before we get up out of here? Uh, not at all, man. Not at all. It's going to get this win and come back so we can talk about it and not talk about us maybe getting beat. We'll bring back the eating the dub for James. Right. You go out you get this one, brother. And uh, we, we'll bring it back and uh, we'll be happy to talk about it. But I'm excited, man, and I'm looking forward to a great season with you. And uh, let's do it again. So for Terrence Copper, I'm David Grubb. This has been Believe in Saints. Y'all have a great weekend. Enjoy the game, and we'll talk to you next week. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.